Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. The most outrageous spectacle I have ever witnessed. Look at yourself. I understand that I must be shocking to you. However, I must also point out that I have an allergy to the sun, and that's why I put this medication on. Look at these people! Look at him! Good evening, and welcome to television. Hello. Hello. Hey there. Hey. Hi. Hey. Whoa. I'm Wayne Stellini, and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Staying together while we're keeping ourselves apart for lockdown number six in the state of Victoria, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome back Kendall Richardson. No, stop it now. (laughs) It's an absolute pleasure to be back once again. Thank you, Wayne. Lovely, lovely, lovely to have you, Kendall. How have you been? Same, same as always, just continuing (laughs) the, 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 the lockdown by taking advantage of the time and consuming content and working and yes just getting through day Mm. by day how about you yeah routine is everything (laughs) so for our beautiful listeners who've been listening to our previous episodes i just want to say ditto (laughs) yeah what i'm saying now (laughs) yeah Pretty much nothing has really changed. <laughs> no, but we're all good. We're okay. <laughs> yeah, we main are. Yeah. That is the main thing. And we are able to still come together and review uh, movies. Mm. I was going to say wonderful things, but, you know, we have, we have, we have interesting, interesting thing to discuss today. I'm looking forward to this. Wayne, mm. please reveal to the masses what will we be talking about today? Today, we're reviewing one of the most infamous movies ever made, John Frankenheimer's The Island of Dr. Moreau. Please explain. Having survived a plane crash in the Java Sea, United Nations negotiator Edward Douglas, David Thewlis, is rescued by a passing boat, upon where Dr. Montgomery, Val Kilmer, tends to him. Taken to a mysterious isle, referred to as Moreau Island, so that Douglas can use the radio there to call for further assistance, Montgomery explains how Dr. Moreau, Marlon Brando, vanished after becoming obsessed with his animal research. Montgomery also warns Douglas not to wander, even locking him in his room at night. However, when Douglas breaks out, he soon discovers the confronting truth about the island of Dr. Moreau. Based on the classic novel by H.G. Wells, this adaptation was conceived by up-and-coming filmmaker Richard Stanley only to result in one of the most notoriously difficult Hollywood film productions of all time. Its troubled gestation was the source of 2014's feature documentary, Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau, and was briefly discussed in the 2021 documentary, Val. But Kendall, production issues aside, did you go animal for the island of Dr. Moreau? No, that's one way to phrase it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i will i will start this chat by being a little optimistic and say that i i was expecting to like this less than i actually did like i i actually i it's not a good movie but i didn't hate it as much as i thought i would because you know long before seeing this i'd known of the infamous mm-hmm. stories 
about the making of it and just the haphazardness of the final product. So my expectations were way below, you know, they were like the room expectations, right? <laughs> like I was just, that's what I was, the quality I was preparing myself for. So it was nice to see that the narrative was somewhat cohesive. Like you can follow the story a bit through. I mean, not everything makes sense, really. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to really kind of just, I don't know, sum, try and sum up my thoughts on this. Just, just because, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't as terrible as I expected. But look, the performances across the board are, are generally pretty good, to be honest. I think that's really probably mostly down to the fact that the cast is quite talented mm-hmm. on their own. I mean, you've got Marlon Brando for one, but he wasn't even the best person on screen in the movie for me. I really enjoyed the way David Thewlis gave his everything in this. Val Kilmer was quite good. Very interesting performance. Very entertaining. And yeah, even Furiza Bolt was enjoyable as well. And I was blown away, of course, to learn, I didn't actually know this, but to learn that the Stan Winston studio were involved Mm -hmm. with creating all of the practical effects creating the grotesque and gorgeous animal masks and prosthetics throughout the film with with these characters was very impressive. You know, I mean, at that time, Stan Winston was a couple of years out of Jurassic Park, you know, and just, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's he was a legend in film in just practical effects and those kinds of, of makeup effects that he did. It was just stunning. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, no, this is on his record. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I really kind of like the way that the prosthetics really kind of evoke a Uh, just a disgust within you like they're grotesque is really the right word Mm. to describe a lot of them they're just very unsettling very just visually just displeasing to the eye and that really just kind of goes to enhance the really messed up kind of way in which they were created or the way Moreau was able to bring these creatures to life and give them the life they now have which is not really a life, to be honest. But yeah, so there's, there's, there's a lot of really good and fascinating parts to this film, but there's also just a lot of not so great stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I was surprised that they even used CGI in this film. There's some brief CGI shots here with some of the animals when they're moving fast, like their you know, animal counterpart, it switches to just this very jarring CGI that I don't think would have looked great even in 1996, to be honest. Like, I don't know, unless it's just aged poorly and because our eyes now are just so used to always kind of being surrounded by CGI, maybe that's what it is as well. Mm. I don't know, maybe I'm being too harsh. But it was a bit, it it took me out of the movie a little bit. It was a bit jarring, especially because you've got the Stan Winston studio. I feel like, you know, you don't have to. But then if you want certain creatures to move in certain ways, as to what the story demands, then I guess you probably just have to make those kind of choices. Yeah. But I think the big takeaway in terms of just badness about this movie is pretty much just the fact that it was a waste. It could have been such a great film, I think. Uh, it had so much potential. And I'm not even just talking about the, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff that we will definitely be getting into, but just the fact that you have these actors you have this wonderful crew and this 
visionary director, really, mm. who has this kind of dream for what he wants this world to be and this story to be. And it just sounds like it's going to be great. Like on paper, it's awesome. Mm. But then for some reason, it just all fell apart and turned into a very expensive but very poorly done just ah yeah it's just it's not it's not good it's not good it's just such it's such a shame so but i'm glad i was able to find some positives i think for me amidst the chaos but wayne i'm dying to hear <laughs> what were your initial thoughts of the islander dr moreau well kendall there's some parts of your review there that i agree some parts that I don't, I think we're going to butt heads on Great. this one. <laughs> Great. Let's butt heads. Let's do it. Out of all the movies, who would have thought this would be the one? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Who would have thought that? Only just a few minor points, actually. No, overall, look, I have to agree with you. You can't help but go into this film with low expectations because mm-hmm. whilst the movie needs to stand on its own. It shouldn't matter any of the noise or anything like that. Totally. But a movie such as this, (laughs) from the very get-go and years later, the noise has never stopped. Even during production, people were aware that there were problems and so forth. So even critics and audience members went in with low expectations because of what was going on. And they didn't even know the full extent of it back then. So going into it, and this is actually the second time that I've watched this film. I watched it for the first time in the late 90s. I didn't really remember a lot of it. So it felt like watching it again for the first time. And look, I have to say it is better than I thought it would be. I was engaged for pretty much the whole thing, sometimes trying to work out what was happening. I do agree that the plot is not always as coherent as I wanted it to be. Sort of towards the middle end, it gets a bit muddled for me. I, I feel like there are mm. scenes missing and mm-hmm. there's character developments and character arcs that aren't fully fleshed out. So yep. I, I agree. I think there's potential there that's, I mean, look, the source material is a classic. I, I've not read it, but it's been no, me either. Into, into a film two times before this one. I have no doubt it will be made into another film at some point down the track, uh, hopefully with more luck than this one. (laughs) (laughs) One can only hope. Yes. But you do sense that there's bits missing. Some developments feel rushed. Mm -hmm. Then it leads into really the third act is just like a full on action movie. And I think the third act in terms of let's just blow shit up and destroy this place I don't know if it's particularly rewarding from a character point of view, but look, for popcorn entertainment, it, it looks good. I felt it looked good. You know, the, yeah. the destruction of the compound and, mm-hmm. and the, the civil war amongst these hybrids, Dr. Moreau's children, if you like, it played out really well. I agree that most of the performances are really strong. Marlon Brando phones it in as Moreau, but in saying that, he's Brando and he's still an intriguing presence and the performance is actually still good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just... Not fair. <laughs> and yeah, it really is a, this natural talent. And you see why. 
For me, Val Kilmer was one of my favorites here. I loved the oddball performance here. I love Montgomery's slide into insanity. And I actually think that Kilmer does such a fantastic job at this. Fazula mm-hmm. Bolt, also quite lovely as Moreau's daughter, who's slowly turning into a cat. And we have that gorgeous foreshadowing from Montgomery when Douglas first meets her and mm-hmm. Montgomery just sort of says, oh, she's a pussycat. I kind of like that cheeky nod <laughs> to yeah. the audience there. So there's some uh, cute moments as well. I absolutely adored Marco Hofschneider as Milling, who was Moreau's son, the one who's quite cultured and quite soft and sensitive. And he's mm-hmm. one of the few who lives in the end. So I, that was a win for me because he was one of my favourite characters there. Unfortunately, he isn't given much to do. But I think yeah. it's a testament to the actor that he's so engaging and accessible that the little material he has to work with that that uh, you're just on his side the whole way through and you just want him to survive and actually hope that he has some sort of hope for the future because it's not the most Mm. optimistic of endings really no not really probably the point that i would disagree with you, Kendall, is David Thewlis. I yeah, I noticed of- your face. Yeah, I yes. noticed your face when I mentioned it. <laughs> I was like, oh, have I, do I have a wrong opinion here? <laughs> <laughs> no, your opinion's not wrong. It's just different. I was never really convinced. And I don't know why, because as someone from the UN, <laughs> right, as a negotiator, yes, he's supposed to be cool, calm, collected. He's not supposed to be this huge action hero who's confident with a gun. And, you know, so, I mean, he does that well because it's appropriate to the character that he's playing. But there's just something about the way he plays Douglas that just didn't connect with me. And I just didn't feel like he was as strong as a lot of his co-stars. No, that's fair. I will agree. I'll agree on that. He wasn't, I enjoyed him, but yeah, mm. you're right. He definitely, yeah, was not as strong. That's for sure. Not bad, but for me, he was kind of a bit yeah. more in the middle compared to others. I mean, mm-hmm. ultimately, the Island of Dr. Moreau is a morality tale and it's about messing with nature. It was relevant back in the day when H.G. Wells wrote the story and it's still relevant now, really, when you consider what humanity has done to nature and how nature finds a way of biting us back <laughs> deservedly <laughs> we could we could argue right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so i'm sensing i probably enjoyed the movie more than you did look there are parts of it that are quite well made i mean you can't deny the makeup and costuming and those types of effects i mean look who was behind them right Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you've got Stan Winston's team doing it and they look fantastic. Sometimes they look too good that, exactly like you said, they're unsettling, they're the uncanny, they're unnerving to look at. And yeah. for me, that scene very early on where you've got this hybrid horse person giving birth was yeah. like, it was almost confronting for me. It's like, oh, wow, we're here. <laughs> we're just, you know, it's yeah. something that just does not feel right even though it's the most natural thing in the world to give birth to someone but Mm -hmm. it was incredibly unsettling and uncanny 
So in terms of the effects, it's, it's done really well. So for me, it's a mixed bag, but I have yeah. to say it's the sort of film that I think doesn't leave you bored. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, like for me, it wasn't, yeah, I, I can't say I was bored <laughs> through it. And, you know, there are probably multiple reasons for that because sometimes you're just like, ooh, what am I watching? And then other times it's like, what am I watching? <laughs> yeah. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. But, Kendall, there's no escaping the reputation that this movie has because mm. of all the behind-the-scenes shenanigans. Yeah, and a lot of these, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these instances are detailed in a wonderful documentary that both you and I have seen called Lost Soul: mm-hmm. The Doom Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau, and they're also briefly touched upon in another wonderful documentary called Bell. So let's just have a revisit at some of the key events that made the Island of Dr. Moreau one of the most difficult productions in Hollywood history. Mm. Are you ready? Oh, I'm strapped in. Let's go. Number one. We begin with Richard Stanley successfully pitching his vision of the island of Dr. Moreau to New Line Cinema. Number two. New Line secure Marlon Brando as Dr. Moreau. Number three. New Line then wants to replace Stanley with Roman Polanski. Number four. Stanley consults a warlock for luck to get his job back. Number five. Brando tells Newline he'll only do the film if Stanley is directing. Number six. Bruce Willis is then cast as Douglas and James Woods as Montgomery. Because of this, the budget goes from $8 million to $40 million. Number seven. Cheyenne Brando dies, meaning her father disappears to mourn her loss. Number eight. Willis leaves the production when his divorce proceedings begin with Demi Moore. So Val Kilmer is hired to replace him. He's just made a blockbuster called Batman Forever. <laughs> so he's in demand. <laughs> yeah. Number nine. Because he's hot property, Kilmer demands his workload is reduced by 40%. This means that Kilmer is recast as Montgomery, resulting in the exit of James Woods. Rob Morrow is then cast as Douglas. Number 10. Kilmer and Stanley have creative differences and Kilmer wants out of the film, but Newline needs his star power. At the same time, Kilmer is served divorce papers on set. Number 11. Kilmer arrives on set two days late and has not memorized his lines. Number 12. Actor Ron Perlman's time on set goes from six weeks to six months, having to take some of Kilmer's lines. Number 13. A hurricane destroys a significant portion of the set almost as soon as filming begins. Number 14. Two days into filming, Rob Morrow begs New Line CEO Robert Shea to be let go from his contract, and he gets his wish. Number 15. Kilmer complains about the progress of the shoot to New Line, who fire Richard Stanley. Number 16. Stanley destroys the production paperwork and hides in the forest with a group of hippies instead of leaving Australia as promised, as you do. <laughs> Number 17. Aruza Bolt gets a limousine to Sydney wanting to leave the production and she's advised by her agent that her career will be over if she does leave. Number 18. Production is stalled for three weeks until John Frankenheimer is hired. His domineering approach causes a divide between himself and the cast and crew, particularly the Australian crew. Number 19. David Thewlis replaces Rob Morrow and probably instantly regrets it. Number 20. 
Ron Hutchinson <laughs> is brought on to rewrite the script, which Thulis describes as shit as well, and actors end up improvising moments in the film. Number 21. Brando dismisses Brazula Bulk's request to discuss the relationship between their respective characters. Number 22. Brando makes numerous creative decisions, including Moreau's white sunscreen and ice bucket hat. His idea that Moreau is a dolphin is declined by the studio. Number 23. Brando demands that actor Nelson De La Rosa's screen time is increased, resulting in further rewrites and Marco Hofschneider's screen time being slashed. Number 24. De La Rosa allegedly assaults Hofschneider and propositions an Australian actress. Number 25. Brando's lines are given to him by an assistant through an earpiece. Number 26. Brando keeps cast and crew waiting for extensive periods. Number 27. Kilmer allegedly burns a camera operator with a cigarette while the crew member was filming. Number 28. Clashes between Brando and Kilmer result in neither wanting to leave their trailer until the other one does. Number 29. Thulis breaks his leg after falling off a horse. <laughs> Number 30. Support of some cast and crew, Richard Stanley returns to the set, concealed in the melted bulldog makeup and costume. Number 31. And finally, Stanley reveals his identity at the wrap-up party, and Kilmer apologises for his behaviour that got him fired. A little too little too late. Oh. And go. <laughs> oh my God. Kendall, you couldn't make this up, could you? <laughs> no. You really couldn't. I feel like, you know what? I really, you know how, you know how they made, they made the disaster artist? I want a feature film about the making of this. How good would that be? Absolutely. That would be fantastic. Oh. <laughs> Mwah. I, I want it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. There were some things in there that I didn't I didn't actually know that weren't covered in the documentary, mm. either documentary. And and can I just, just speaking of things that weren't mentioned in the documentary, David Thulis was not mentioned yes. at all. I was disappointed. And I was disappointed I was about too. this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would love to know why that is, you know, because I didn't know he broke his leg. Mm. In, like that was shocking to me. But like, yeah, I'm very curious as to why the documentary seems to very, with a fine tooth comb, kind of go over every major event that mm. led to the turmoil behind the scenes. But they didn't mention the fact that David Thewlis replaced Rob Morrow for some reason. I just well, thought that was very weird. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even if he wasn't going to be interviewed, fair enough. There were so many people a part of the production that oh, were yeah. interviewed. That's but fine. it was weird that he wasn't acknowledged at all. And mm. Really, the only idea of how he felt making the film we get from our other documentary that we saw, Val, because Val mm. Kumar has video recording of him where they're having a bit of a conversation. And you can yeah. just see that Thulis is so over it. And mm. clearly we can see that an actor like him who happens to just sort of go about his business and is just trying to do his job and not causing trouble yeah. for anyone is frustrated and clearly mm-hmm. doesn't like the director frankenheimer either no seemed to alienate everybody but i think that's why yeah. the studio got him in because they're like okay you're efficient you're old school you don't take diva antics or anything like that you get in you film and you get out and that was his mentality as well and you've got a cast who are like well we obviously liked some part of this project 
you mm-hmm. would hope that it was more than just co-starring with Brando because you've got to commit and you've got some work to do. And even the most difficult of actors, in this case, it was Brando and Kilmer, despite them just not being the most professional on set, Brando's mm. notoriously lazy when it comes to acting. Mm. But at the end of the day, he was still putting forward ideas, which meant that he was thinking about his character, at least. I think, yeah. he, I think he, he gave up pretty early on, and that was when Frankenheimer was brought in to replace Stanley because they didn't seem to, to get along either. But there was still some thought. They might be outrageous and outlandish and I don't know to be honest how much of it was legitimate how much of it was just taking the piss because hey I'm getting my pay and that's all I care about but you know you still sense that he's somewhere it was working in his head and even Kilmer who seemed to antagonize everybody cast and crew because Mm. he really didn't want to be there was still putting some effort into creating some sort of a character yeah and it's probably why that For me, at least, Kilmer is one of the strongest presence on screen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the film could just be about Montgomery. I'd be more than happy because I think it's actually that good. And especially in the later part of of the film when he becomes mad and tries to replace Moreau. For me, there, there are some of the highlights there. But it all begins with the studio's treatment of Richard Stanley, surely. Yeah, it does. I mean, I feel like they really didn't want anything to do with him. Even before the production began, they were kind of trying to get rid of him. I mean, my biggest takeaway from from this whole thing is the fact that I feel like it's just this mix of toxic people, this mix of human beings that just were never going to get along. And the fact that you have so many personalities clashing with, with each other, so many people with different visions, different ideas, different wants and needs, it just it was never going to work. And so that, that just ruins the entire experience. But then it starts with, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I feel out of everyone, I feel so bad for Richard Stanley. Yeah. So yeah. bad because, yeah, he's a bit eccentric. Man, yeah. That's fine. Uh, very unique person. And he clearly has a vision he clearly knows how to make movies and make interesting movies. Like I haven't seen any of his other films, but I've heard nothing but good things about his other films. Yeah. You know, I was getting so excited watching the documentary Lost Soul because early on, like he's talking about all these ideas they had and how him and one of his collaborators were doing like all these storyboards, doing all these like beautiful drawings, beautiful paintings, right? Of, yeah. of just these scenes with these, these colours popping everywhere. And I was like, oh my God, this looks fantastic. Like, I want, where was this movie? How did we go from just a visual spectacle like that, like an art house, weird sci-fi thriller horror thing to a, you know, Hollywood blockbuster sort of thing? I mean, again, it's studio interference as well. And then mostly Brando being Brando and Val Kilmer being Val Kilmer, especially. Mm-hmm. I feel like Richard... You know, Val Kilmer did not, you know, did not like him for some reason. Mm. And because he was at the height of his powers, he just, he was clearly on a power trip, clearly just wanting to do nothing more than kind of make himself feel big and make everyone else feel small. And he took advantage of the fact that Richard Stanley had this very fragile confidence and he just kept beating him down and down and down and wearing him so thin to the point where he was losing his mind. Well, yeah. And this is the thing. It's like, 
because Stanley comes from an independent filmmaking background. So these are yeah. small budget pictures. They're a smaller mm-hmm. cast. So one could argue that, yep, yeah, look, maybe Stanley's vision it was huge and beautiful, but he was in over his head. You know, maybe True. it was better if he was stayed as a screenwriter and maybe as a producer or some sort of creative consultant. In saying that, though, it doesn't matter how big the production is. If your cast and crew are behind you 100%, it will get done because yeah. you are supported. But one of the things here is a lot of the crew, like the original crew at least, were really supportive of Richard Stanley. And that was yeah. quite sweet, I felt, even to the end when they, when they found him on that plantation with the hippies and you know, they were happy to conceal him and hide him and have him a part of the film, <laughs> which I think is yeah. brilliant. It's uh, great. Uh, that shows uh, this type of lovely loyalty, I think. They're like, no, we know yeah. that, you know, you were wronged. And I have to say, Fazula Bulk as well is so beautifully loyal to him. She oh, I know. such an injustice was done to him. Mm. And, and mm-hmm. you know, they were friends at the time, whether they're still friends now, it seems irrelevant. She was by far one of the most professional of the team, even though she wanted yeah. to run away. But to some degree, who could blame her? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, she just wanted to leave. But Rob Morrow was able to do that because he was quite famous at the time, having been in Northern Exposure on TV and been in uh, Robert Redford's film quiz show. So, you know, he was well known. So he had some influence. They're like, yep, mm. you can leave. Uh Zillabog, not so much. So it's kind of like you can't screw over your career by ditching this production. And she stuck with it and she tried. Mm. And you sense that there were a lot of actors who did try to make something of this film. But yeah. you're absolutely right. There's toxic egos at play here. And I think one of the things that really hurts the movie or hurt the film to begin with was... New Line actually casting Brando because he was not the vision of Moreau that Stanley had. And when you cast someone like Marlon Brando, one of the greatest actors of all time anywhere, all you need is his name because Mm. this is why you have people, cast and crew, coming on saying, oh, I don't care what the movie is. I don't care who's involved. I don't care about the script. I just want to be in a movie with Brando because he's Brando. So it's a double-edged sword. Brando is a name that gives Mm. a movie credibility, Mm -hmm. but there's baggage that comes with it. Also, you know, and a part of that baggage is Brando himself. Yeah. (laughs) You know, is his laziness and his attitude. And, but no one argues because he's Brando, because he's got that status that he's earned. And early on in his career, probably worked quite hard for it, but had established himself to a point that it didn't really matter what he did. All he would have to do was turn up. And just like I had said in, in my review as well, 
he phones it in, but he's amazing <laughs> because yeah. there is something about his screen presence. There's something about his raw natural talent. The man mm-hmm. just has to stand there and say lines and you yeah. feel like you are watching a master at work. That is rare in any industry. Yeah. So again, Brando's a double-edged sword. In this mm. case, it proved fatal to the film because it all started with him. I mean, mm-hmm. I think even if Brando wasn't attached, they probably wouldn't have even tried to replace Stanley to begin with, with Roman Polanski, because maybe, you know, mm. we need a big director who can handle someone like Brando and who could bring out the best in him and so forth. So yeah. that momentum then just builds. It's, it's a domino effect And it's Mm. amazing how many dominoes there are in this production. But, yeah, some of it is just crazy. I feel like the people who had the best time on this film was the crew and the extras who hung around and had parties and orgies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good times. Like, oh, hello, we're just getting paid to hang out here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, how can I get that job? <laughs> as long as yeah, I've got yeah, those right. prosthetics in the in the intense humidity and heat. Oh, yeah. And for no reason, because the two stars don't want to leave the trailers that oh. they're in. Oh god. Yeah, you, know, you just really want to go grow up. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah. they're both adult human beings yeah. and they're acting like 12-year-olds. Like it was yeah. just Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> apparently Brando had said to Kilmer something to the effect of don't get your huge paycheck. Uh, don't let that be mistaken for your talent or something like that. Like, don't confuse your huge paycheck for talent. <laughs> oh, oh, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I'm like, Brando, if you'd watched the movie, you would know that Val Kilmer was actually better than you in it, I think. Yeah. So I would just... agree. Yeah. I yeah. Would agree. <laughs> I do have to say that I think the thing that hurt the story was the prominence of Nelson De La Rosa. Yeah. I just, because especially when we see who he replaced, who his character replaces, Marco Hoschneider as Maling, just beautiful. Like there's just this gorgeous sensitivity and he conveys so much emotion through all those prosthetics, like I really fell in love with yeah. this character. And yeah, so when yeah. I then learned that he was supposed to have a much bigger role, I don't know how to word it, but Brando has been an absolute dick by pretending yeah. to big German to him. And oh, God. Marco's like, I have no idea what you're saying because that's not actually German. And the only difference between Marco and Nelson was that Nelson went along and sort of played the game of speaking Spanish. And Brando liked that he got it and was fascinated by him. And he's like, okay, he's with me pretty much in every single scene. And it's just, again, to no effect because that character doesn't do any, like he doesn't add anything to the story at all i think he's a gorgeous presence mm-hmm. because you know the prosthetics are really good the fact that he's mm. so you know short statured 
contributes to this idea of what Moreau is, is trying to create and so forth. I mean, he's literally created a mini me and that's where he comes from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. th- th- that's where it comes from. So I, I like he tells a story, but I feel like that story makes the alternative suffer and that's a shame. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But again, oh, we've yeah. got enough star power to influence. It's like what Brando wants Brando gets, except for Moreau being a dolphin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I love that that's where they drew the line. Like, <laughs> why not? Why not? you got to stop somewhere, I guess. So, no, yeah. I absolutely wet myself. <laughs> when I saw Brando <laughs> with that ice bucket hat, I was just, I laughed so much. <laughs> uh, I just thought, yeah, no. sure, why not? <laughs> You know what? I went along with it. I was, I was just, I was just in on the weirdness of this film. I just, I just, you know, I was like, oh yeah, this is just another one of Moreau's eccentricities on display. Well, Fine, makes sense. Right. It's very hot up there. Yeah, but also, you know what? You're right. It works if you've got somebody who's experimenting with humans and animals and making all of these hybrids. An ice bucket hat is really. It's really tame compared to what else could be there. True. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, can I vent about Brando for a sec, please? And go. And go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's, I said it before, like, you know, he is one of the main reasons this film suffers the most. Mm. Watching the documentary, I got so, so frustrated and just, Oh, just, I don't know what the, I can't find the right word, but I didn't feel great because I'm watching Marco Hofschneider retell this story of what you just mentioned with Mm. the, you know, the German accent and then, you know, him doing the Spanish to Nelson De La Rosa. I know Brando's from a very different time, but God damn, that's racist. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's racist is all shit. Um, And it just made me so uncomfortable comfortable mm. and poor Marco Hofschneider poor like another along with Richard uh, Richard Stanley he suffered the most next to him I think just because he's clearly passionate about the project about the role mm. he's very excited and invested looking forward to working with these actors maybe breaking into American cinema like you yeah. know I think it, it, that he mentions it in the doco like you know this could have been it was something big for him because he wasn't really known outside of Germany. And yeah, for just just for Marlon Brando to basically curtail his career like that, yeah, it's just Love. so disrespectful. And it's yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's so disrespectful beyond words can say. And clearly, as you're right, Maling is such a presence. Yeah, and it would have been so nice to have seen so much more of him and what Marco could have done. If he had have actually been Moreau's proper assistant and not the little mini me, I mean, uh, it's just it's just such a shame. And then I and then the other scene that from the documentary that comes to mind is when uh, Fariza Bulk is talking about, and you've already mentioned it, but when she's she's gone to Brando and like, okay, mm-hmm. so how are how shall our characters relate to each other? Like, what do you do? You want to work on that? And he just flat out refused. Yeah. And I'm listening to her re- retell this and I'm going, are you fucking kidding me? I know it's Marlon Brando and I know he can clearly get away with murder here, but 
like you're an actor bottom line right yeah. isn't that one of the biggest things like this this is a movie where you're the title character essentially and you know millions and millions of dollars hundreds and hundreds of man hours going into this project and you're not even willing to put in a couple of hours here or there to just really kind of develop your characters especially because father and daughter relationship that had so much more potential because you know there's this really nice scene kind of like the ice it is actually the, yeah. the ice bucket scene when Aisa comes to him and she's just so scared and concerned because she's regressing and you know she finds it so heartbreaking because she wants to be like him you know she mm. wants to be a normal human really and she's so close to that but then you know like it's so funny like the way Brando kind of just pops her off and is like, you know, it's okay, honey, you're getting paid. I'm getting paid. <laughs> yes. Let's just go to work. And, ha-, you know, he laughs it off, right? He laughs off in the movie <laughs> when she's pleading with him for help. And, and he's just, you know, he calms her down by telling a joke and then they laugh about it. And then, and I'm, I was just like, what? You know, you could have had such a great chemistry between the two of them, such a great connection a relationship explored, a different take on the father-daughter dynamic would have been, again, another example of just wasted potential. And I just, I know Melon Brando is Melon Brando, but for fuck's sake, I got, yeah, I just got so angry watching this. It's just so disappointing. Yeah. And do you know what as well? I think what I gathered anyway from the way Priscilla Bolt was talking about him and so forth was, it's not like he disliked her or anything. They didn't seem to have any animosity no. or anything like that. So no. it's even more disappointing that he wouldn't give her an hour. Yeah. Especially because he is this veteran and she's still young. She's still, she's been acting a while, right? So it's not like her first picture or anything like that. But still, there's a generation gap there. So any sort of knowledge or support how lovely and generous would that have been just from one professional no. to another? Because mm-hmm. it's not like he was, you know, saying, yep, yeah, whatever, because he didn't like her. It was mm-hmm. out of pure laziness. And that's so disappointing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he was dismissive, right, of the production. I think especially when the director was replaced. Mm. Because I think even when David Thewlis first arrived on set, <laughs> Brando pretty much said, young man, turn around <laughs> and go back. <laughs> you don't want to be doing this. <laughs> Get out while you still can. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. But, yeah, but it just, again, like a lot of these tales from, from behind the scenes tell you about what type of potential this film could have had again i don't think it's a like it's a horrible film i don't actually even think it's one of the worst films ever made gosh can no, you no. and i have seen a lot of films <laughs> i would not rate this as one of the worst films ever made. no no not at all but gosh it could have been so much better and i think if they just stuck with a low budget film invest all that money in the visuals because i think if you've got a good story You've got a director who has a clear vision, which Richard Stanley had, and you've got good actors. What mm-hmm. elevates a low-budget movie is then to not make it look like it's low-budget. So you've yep. got Stan Winston's effects. You've got beautiful mm-hmm. scenery. Uh, so parts of the puzzle are there. 
but it feels like there were two different jigsaws <laughs> thrown together and the best that you can come out with was a cluster fuck of a production <laughs> yes yes i would like to talk for a sec about val kilmer mm-hmm. though just for the pure fact of comparing the two takes of him with how we perceive val kilmer being in lost soul versus how he portrays himself in val yeah <laughs> because (laughs) I saw Val before I saw Moreau or Lost Mm. Soul, right? So going into this, I had a very high (laughs) opinion of Val Kilmer. (laughs) (laughs) And look, look, the documentary Val does touch on very, very briefly, mind you, his notoriety for being a bit difficult on set, right? Yeah. But it's not very much explored. And to that point, the... 10 or so minutes, I guess, when when um, Moreau is mentioned and you see Val's own footage that mm. he shot whilst on set, the only footage that's in it appears to solely be from the Frankenheimer part of the production. I don't think there's any Richard Stanley stuff in there from memory. I, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, because Stanley wasn't even on there for that long, really. Grand scheme. No, yeah. No, that's very true. Frankenheimer was definitely on board for the majority of the production by the end of it. But yeah, because the one thing that stands out the most for me from the Island of Dr. Moreau section of the Val documentary is there's a part where I'm pretty sure in the in the foreground you've got like in the shot you've got David Thewlis and Val Kilmer, and Val Kilmer and Frankenheimer. Frankenheimer's off cam off. He's off screen. He's off camera. But they're, and they're yelling at each other. And Frankenheim is telling Val to turn the camera off. Mm-hmm. Val's saying, I want to I take a break. You've upset me or whatever. I think I'm paraphrasing. But he's like, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not in the right mindset to do the scene now. I need to take a break. Can we take a break? And Frankenheimer doesn't give a fuck. And he's just mm-hmm. like, we're doing this scene. Turn the camera off. And it is instantly clear that there's a huge amount of friction. And... I will give the Val documentary credit. The one thing it does get right and seems to be universal is the fact that Frankenheimer was just difficult to work with. Yeah. That is communicated very prominently. But then when I watched Lost Soul and then I saw the full picture, Mm. I was, yeah, I was disappointed (laughs) because it really did just sound like Val Kilmer was very egotistical, arrogant, bratty, a bully. Mm. was the word used to describe him and that's pretty much what he was behind the scenes and it's so disappointing because i am i am a fan of his work he's a very talented man incredible oh he's incredible yeah and he and like we've said he still gives an incredible performance in mm. the film but just then to hear there was this other side of him that i didn't realize existed on this set of him just acting that way like i can understand why he wouldn't want to put that front and center in his own documentary mm. i guess yeah, but yeah. it would have been nice for him to be a bit more unbiased and acknowledge certain things, you know, especially because of the fact that um, I can't remember which actor did you say apologized to Richard Stanley? Was it Val or David? It was, it was Val. It was Val. So Val, Val clearly had some remorse. I think by the time things were all said and done, but you, like you said, it was too little, too late. Really, yeah. it was probably only done because he had to endure Frank <laughs> It's like probably <laughs> I should have stuck with you, yeah. you know, but it's interesting because you're right. Val does gloss over his behavior in this film. And mm-hmm. even in the documentary Val, 
which I saw after. So for context, I saw Island of Dr. Moreau. I then saw Lost Soul. I then saw Val. Mm-hmm. And I did find it interesting that Val doesn't acknowledge any bad behaviour on his part. Even no. in his autobiography, I'm Your Huckleberry, he says in terms of Island of Dr. Moreau that he was made the scapegoat. So he blames the director completely. And there is no doubt that Frankenheimer has a lot to do with production problems and tension. Admittedly, he came into a production that was already hell on earth. So I appreciate he was going uphill from the get-go and all the way to the (laughs) release. Like Like I can appreciate it. And that's just me playing devil's advocate because no one's saying anything nice about this guy. <laughs> and, and look, maybe there's, and maybe that's justified. Maybe there's a reason for it, but I appreciate the studios brought you in. They definitely want you because they're happy to give you a ridiculous amount of money and a three picture deal. If you will just finish this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so He's determined. He's got a history of replacing directors and finishing productions and bringing these films to critical acclaim. So, you know, we talked about egos. There's a toxic ego as well. And one could argue his ego is justified. Brando's ego is justified. Kilmer is still quite new compared to these guys. But he's his hot property at the moment. So they're they're believing their own bullshit, right? Mm. <laughs> and also because the world is still fanning it, but the proof is in the pudding because of box office, because of awards, because of critical acclaim. It's messy. So it doesn't surprise me that Val doesn't really acknowledge his own behavior in the documentary Val, except for saying, oh, yes, I may have acted badly. I may have acted bizarrely. And that's really the only proper acknowledgement in that documentary I felt uh, that he gives of not being the most professional person. But it is intentionally manipulative in that documentary because we know he and Brando did not get along. Mm. there's too many people telling us that for it to be a lie, in my opinion, because these people don't have anything to gain from it. Yeah. So in Val, there is footage of him talking to Brando. Brando's on his Moreau Yeah. And one could argue it looks like a really friendly interaction. However, (laughs) what I read (laughs) from it was Brando sees that Kilmer has a camera in hand and Mm. you'll notice that Kilmer is asking questions being really friendly and nice. Brando is not rude to him, but he doesn't indulge in the conversation. All he essentially says is give me a push on this hammock. So yeah, talks to him, but he's like, I'm not having a friendly conversation with you, but doesn't damage his own self by giving him lip or attitude because Kilmer is filming. So Mm. even that footage, which it seems nice and friendly on the surface, there's a falseness about it and it's put in there to sort of show, no, we got along because after the film, Kilmer would say that he did like working with Brando. He praised Brando after the fact. He just didn't behave that way during the set and everyone around them had to suffer. So you're right. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting seeing these different 
perspectives. And the only time that we really see tension in Val relating to the island of Dr. Moreau was when he's talking to David Thewlis and they're both frustrated at yeah. Frankenheimer and they're openly acknowledging that. And I think Kilmer even says something to the effect of, you know, you can say action and cut, but that doesn't make you a director. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then we've got, as you've mentioned, the heated confrontation between the director and the actor as well. So it's quite one-sided and look, that's fine. Everyone's got their version of what mm. happens, but it's still quite telling, I think. And I'm glad that Kilmer acknowledges it at least. And it's good to see some of that raw behind the scenes footage as well. I'm glad it was in there. Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt, right? But I'm glad it's there <laughs> as well. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think it, it's definitely <laughs> been incorporated into our conversation really well because it's, you, you know, I think it just adds to the context of how troubled this production actually was. Yeah. Kendall, surely the movie isn't all bad. <laughs> surely. Surely. surely something on screen uh, survived that was pretty good <laughs> Maybe amazing i don't know yeah. Yeah, favorite moment line or performance in the island of dr moreau <laughs> for me i mean i love the fact that we've we're about to do this 180 <laughs> go from like kind of go from <laughs> just kind of go from discussing the uh I don't know hypocrisy maybe of Val Kilmer to me now about to just praise him because I think literally my favorite line moment performance it's all him Mm. to be honest for me there really weren't any standout kind of moments that I really enjoyed in this movie again not to say it's a bad movie it's just I feel like for me there was nothing really that kind of made me go I mean I did kind of enjoy I guess just as an honourable mention, I did kind of enjoy the um, the scene where where Douglas first stumbles upon the truth of mm. the island and he's inside the laboratory essentially and that very confronting birth scene is yeah. taking place, you know. That's a really well shot scene. It's a really well performed scene, staged and everything. Like I think it's I think that's really good and I, I liked it as an introduction to the madness of Moreau. But I think my favorite moment, I really enjoyed the beginning of Montgomery's descent into madness mm-hmm. when uh, Moreau's just been killed. And for some reason, I, I found it weird that no one seemed to inform Montgomery of that fact. Like they, they made a point to have everyone else present at this funeral pyre, uh, yeah. but Montgomery was nowhere to be found. So I was like, okay, I feel like there's a, it's like you said earlier, I feel like there's a scene missing. Because the next time we see Montgomery shortly after, he's pretending to be mm. Moreau. He's masquerading as Moreau. He's dressed like him and he's even got the white face paint. Val Kilmer's doing his best Marlon Brando impression, which is actually not bad. And I just thought it was so funny. I, I like I was laughing and, yeah. and I actually like really enjoyed that performance of him just getting into the Moreau side of Montgomery. Like, because Montgomery's clearly very much looking up to Moreau throughout the film. Like there's a reason he stayed on this island as long as he has the reason he came there in the first place. So yeah, it makes total sense that he would kind of just become obsessed with him. But I just really love the way Val Kilmer played that. And that in turn kind of makes him uh, as well, my favorite performance in the movie, just 
because of what he does with the dialogue he has. It's just it's just really fascinating. I do I do think maybe that Montgomery's complete turn into a nutcase was a bit too quick, mm. maybe because like it's kind of built up throughout the movie really well. Like they kind of subtly start to build up his mental breakdown nicely in the background. You know, every time you see him on screen, he seems a little bit more cuckoo, yeah. and I liked that. But then after Moreau dies, it's very much a, as much as I enjoyed it. It's very much a hard cut to batshit bonkers, I think. Mm-hmm. But I still, yeah. but I, I still enjoyed what he did with the character in that sense. And then that leads me to my favorite quote, which I will read: "I want to go to dog heaven." <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's <laughs> it's the last thing Montgomery says before he gets shot in the head. By the 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 wonderful dog-faced son of Moreau as a zello, played by Tamira Morrison quite nicely as well. But yeah, I just I don't know, there was something about that that just kind of really summed up how far <laughs> Montgomery had gone. And he was just he was having the time of his life in those final moments, you know, surrounded by the beasts. They're all chaotic, they're all having sex with each other, they're all doing unspeakable things around him and he's just letting it go on he's pretending to be Moreau he is Moreau you know mm-hmm. and then and then for Azzello to come up, come on and just you know not face him at all you know he's pointing a gun at him and he's just he's just like okay I, I want to go to dog heaven you know, <laughs> not really too much to ask is it so I just I just enjoyed that I just the line was just like I did not expect him to say that at all but I just, it just tickled me. I just liked it. <laughs> so it's Val, Val, Val trifecta for me, Wayne. I'm very curious now to hear your favourite moment, line or performance. Kendall, I predicted that you and I would have the same favourite moment and I was not wrong. <laughs> yes. Come on. Kill me. <laughs> Doing Brando doesn't yes. any better than that. Let's be honest. Come on now. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't believe I doubted us. What? <laughs> I was living for it yes, so dude. much. I uh-huh. just started laughing when I first saw him and I was there. We could argue Moreau gets killed off too early in the proceedings, perhaps. Mm. But I will tell you. If it meant that I got that much of Kilmer doing Brando, I'd say Kilmer off in the first five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You don't understand how much <laughs> I was living for it. <laughs> it is one of the greatest things I have ever seen. Yes. Used in celluloid. Yeah. <laughs> It made the movie worth watching to me. Oh my goodness. But for me, like, and again, you know, when we review films, we have to take out what goes on behind the scenes because at the end of the day, we're reviewing a movie, Mm -hmm. not anything else. And as a movie, this movie for me works because of Kilmer. I think what he does on screen is fantastic. I love looking at him. I love his performance. And you're right. I wish we had just a more gradual descent to madness. There's hints all the way throughout. And I think 
it's even there at the very beginning when he kills the rabbit. I think there's just something about that because that breaks the rules of the island, you know, about eating meat. So, yeah. you know, that, that that's already planting some seeds there. There's a fascinating character in Montgomery. But as we mm-hmm. said at the top of the show, so many of these characters aren't fleshed out. There just seems to be bits missing. So what an absolute joy to see Kilmer doing Brando. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. That's all I need. That's all I need. Yeah. Um, it's it's the highlight of the film. And it might even yes. be definitely one of the highlights of Val Kilmer's career. His <laughs> <laughs> impersonation uh, of Brando. It's just talk about committed. My yeah. gosh, it's just amazing. It's such a fantastic actor. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. He's 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 phenomenal. Yeah. And he definitely mm-hmm. was in that moment. You're right. It was just so much fun and over the top and he's yeah. just completely unhinged and we're there for it <laughs> <laughs> we sure are it, it's just it's pre- like really it's perfection i i can't yeah <laughs> i can't i just can't <laughs> say it enough <laughs> much i loved <laughs> that moment <laughs> yes like yes. Kendall, we've reviewed quite a few films in lockdown Mm. I think that moment is the best thing we've seen in lockdown. Just putting it out there. <laughs> you totally disagree with me, but I will fight you. <laughs> it's definitely up there. It's definitely up there. I kind of want to give it to you, to be honest. I'm just racking my, I'm just racking my brain to see if any of the other movies we've talked about recently kind of come close. But yeah, no, you might be right. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe. But overall, Kendall, your final yes. thoughts and a score out of five for the island. Oh, okay. Well, so, yes, uh, an interesting tale that just, you know, really deserved to be a lot better than it was. At the end of the day, should have been a lot better than it was, a lot more clearer, a lot more interesting and thought-provoking. I found it kind of funny at the end when... You know, they kind of top and tail it with Douglas narrating. Mm. And Phyllis has a great voice for that, I think, yeah. and and delivers it well. But at the end, he's trying to give this kind of deep insight into, you know, the animalistic side of humans. You know, we get this, like, montage of, of scenes of, of human beings being animalistic, if you will. Mm. And I feel like that's also kind of too little, too late for me. Like that's, the movie hasn't earned that, like whatever they were trying to provoke with that ending, I think they missed because they didn't spend any time earning that payoff, I think. I feel like it was just tacked on. So it's just another reminder for me of just the wasted potential of the story and just kind of an, an injustice to H.G. Wells, who is, you know, one of the greatest fiction writers of all time, really. Iconic. And his, his stories deserve a lot, a lot better. So, it's, yeah, it's just a shame, really. I also would have been, as much as I would have loved to have seen the Richard Stanley vision played out properly without Brando, <laughs> uh, without Val Kilmer, part of me is so curious as to what the movie would have been had it been Brando as Moreau, Bruce Willis as Douglas, and James Woods as Montgomery. Very different movie, I think. And probably, 
I don't know. I don't know. It may not have been as good because for some reason I don't believe Bruce Willis as Douglas. Like just the idea of that just seems off to me. But then again, when he was cast, it was a very different movie originally. So, yeah, that's true. But however, James Woods as Montgomery, I think would have been awesome, to be honest. I feel like he would have given it a very interesting spin. Like he's another fantastic actor, very versatile. And he was in his heyday in the 90s as well. So that would have been interesting. But I am very glad that just because he wanted less screen time, we got <laughs> we got Val Kilmer as Montgomery. Like, how does that even... He wasn't even supposed to be... He wasn't even supposed to be Montgomery at all. And he ended up being that character. But So it maybe it may a play between him as Douglas and, and James Woods as Montgomery would have been also very interesting uh, to see on screen. But... Yeah, Montgomery's the better character, I think. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of glad that Val Kilmer got to stretch his acting legs with that. It would have been so interesting to see someone a lot different, I guess, as, as Moreau, like someone like, I don't know, Christopher Plummer or mm. Bill Murray even, or like, you know, just someone, or Al Pacino, like just someone that's kind of like a big kind of name, big-ish kind of name in the 90s, but more... You know, not not like a big name like Brando is. Like, you know, they don't, they don't really come any bigger. I don't know. I just, yeah, someone else could have done that character a lot better. But, you know, as we've been saying throughout this, Brando, for a phoned-in performance, it's still good. It's still entertaining. I like the way he played Moreau in, in certain parts, even though he wasn't Moreau every time we saw him on screen. <laughs> <laughs> There is, that. Uh, there is that and you know and the fact that he had an earpiece that you can see yes um, you spotted it <laughs> i spotted it yeah. and i was shaking my head the whole time like really yeah interesting stuff but yeah so the fact that he's able to pull it together is just such a shame to see such talent wasted on someone who doesn't care you know yeah someone like had actually dreamed of being an actor and was actually that good like you know they would be the greatest actor of all time really yeah, I enjoyed Ron Perlman too. We haven't really mentioned him as the sayer of the law. Like mm. he didn't really have too much to do, but I kind of liked him as this kind of de facto leader outside of the humans, I suppose, yeah. you know, of, of, of the hybrids, of the beasts. He was interesting. And I kind of liked the fact that the they had this kind of law structure of certain rules and things they were allowed to do and not allowed to do. And, you know, the whole control by the pain as they refer to it as these you know devices inside them that would you know shock them into obedience was very interesting so you don't blame the animals for uprising at the end although i did feel azazello's turn against his allies was a bit swift as well Mm. (laughs) a bit disappointing but yeah it's i don't know there's good things about this film there's bad things about this film it's just yeah, it's a turbulent ride, but it's not a waste of time. I'm, I'm still glad that I've seen it. And I just, it just, it's just a shame because it had such potential to be this incredible kind of <sighs> piece of art house cinema, I guess, like very experimental, very groundbreaking, even maybe for the 90s. It could have it just, the could have beens are just very present. And it's such a shame that you know, all these people involved, so many of them just had to have these terrible personalities and terrible issues with each other that they couldn't overcome in order to make things work and just make a movie. Yeah. But 
end of the day, it is what it is. We have the film we have, and at least we have Val Kilmer doing Marlon Brando. At least we have that. So if I'm going to score The Island of Dr. Moreau out of five, I'm going to give it a two and a half. Wait. Well, where does one begin? (laughs) I know, right? You go into a movie like The Island of Dr. Moreau with very low expectations based on everything that you know. So there is a part of you that almost wants to applaud everyone involved for actually bringing a movie (laughs) together. Whether it's done as coherently as it could have been is another story. It does feel like that there are parts missing from here. I would have liked a bit more character development. I agree that I think that the Douglas role is a bit of a nothing role. It would have been nice to have seen a bit more of him. Let's even invest more time with him and Aisa as well. Mm Because I think that way her murder needs to resonate more. Oh, yeah. And have that impact with him. But overall, I was engaged the whole way through. I was never Mm -hmm. bored with this one. I was always intrigued at what was going on. When the hybrids are grotesque, they are truly grotesque. Those effects are amazing. But we definitely see the bastardization of nature here. So Mm. the moral to the story, but I don't know if it's conveyed well enough. It's exactly like what you said, Kendall. The film doesn't own the right to be preachy at the very Mm. end. It does, yeah, it's like, I don't want to say it's heavy-handed. I don't think it's heavy-handed, but it's like, oh, okay, that's how you've presented it. Really, if you've done your job better throughout the story, then you don't need that at the end because that's kind of saying, oh, by the way, this is what we're trying to tell you. We Mm. get that if you invest in the story and maybe they should have just stuck with Richard Stanley's uh, script to begin with. It couldn't have been that unworkable if it got greenlit to begin with. That's true. That's just my humble opinion. Admittedly, I'll watch Brando in anything, <laughs> really. That's um, fair. This does not compare to his earlier works. The Men, A Streetcar Named Desire, Wild One, On the Waterfront. These are the works of Brando that you need to see. And then you need to reward yourself with The Godfather and Superman the movie as well. That's when you Mm. see why Brando is magical. He received a Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Supporting Actor for this role. (laughs) And he and Nelson De La Rosa were nominated for Worst Screen Couple. I really wish they won that one. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been great if they did, yes. (laughs) Look, the film's not a complete and total write-off. There's good elements here. Uh, There's some really good performances. The makeup and prosthetics look really good some story elements are really good there's some witty dialogue here as well and like i've said it's val kilmer's film for me i think he is Mm. absolutely wonderful but you can also find some magic in some of the smaller roles prisula bolkazaisa absolutely marco hofschneider as well absolutely superb Mm. so Mm -hmm. there is enough to enjoy in the island of Dr. Moreau for me to not only recommend it, but I can guarantee you I will revisit it, Kendall, and oh. I can convince you <laughs> to join me. Mm, maybe, maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. 
Anyway, if you if you can find a supercut that's just the Montgomery scenes and nothing else, you've got you've got a deal. Right, I will make it. <laughs> Look for it on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. But as it is and as it stands, I give the Island of Doctor Moreau three and a half out of five. Wonderful. So Kendall, we mm. were streaming a lot. <laughs> For this podcast, <laughs> weren't we? <laughs> yeah, we were. <laughs> but what else have you been streaming that you'd like to recommend? I would love, and it's my absolute pleasure, to recommend Free Guy mm. to everyone because this is a film that I have been interested in since it was first announced back at Comic Con, I believe, in either 2018 or 2019, just based on its cast because you've got Ryan Reynolds. You've got Jodie Comer, you've got Joe Keery, and you've got Taika Waititi. Like, and those are just the top players. And players is a good choice of word because this is about a video game. So Ryan Reynolds' character is uh, what is known as an NPC, which means non-player character or non-playable character in a video game. So basically he's like an extra in a movie, right? Mm-hmm. He, you don't interact really with him. Like you can't play as him, I should say. And um, it's kind of about him and like becoming the main character in a way because he becomes self-aware and starts you know he finds out he's in a game and he finds out he can level up and achieve all these things and he wants to fall in love with this other player who he interacts with inside the game and it's so it's just it's just so much fun really like it's such a cool concept it's a very modern kind of concept of a film, an original story idea as well. And there's not enough of those going around today, sadly. So that's why I absolutely have to recommend Free Guy. It looks stunning. You'll laugh so much. There's some great cameos in here as well. And you'll even get a little emotional probably because there's, there's some really heartwarming moments too to boot. So it ticks every box, honestly. You can find it now on Disney Plus if you are subscribed. I highly recommend subscribing to Disney Plus just in general. But it's, yeah, really nice to see that as now a part of its catalogue. And if I'm going to rate Free Guy, I think I will give it a four out of five stars. Thanks, Kendall. I look forward to watching that one. I remember really enjoying the trailer for that. So I want to make that a priority, especially if you're recommending it. Oh, thank you. Yes, I look forward to talking about it with you yeah, one day. Absolutely. <laughs> nice, nice. Wayne, what about you? Do you have a recommendation for us? Yes, I do. Well, I went to the streaming service Stan for my movie that I am absolutely going to recommend. It's 2020's Supernova, directed by Harry McQueen. So <laughs> have you seen this one, Kendall? I've seen it. I saw it at the you saw it at the cinema yeah I only just saw it and I remember watching the trailer and just melting at it and Mm -hmm. I have to say it is an incredibly moving story about two gentlemen who are a loving couple who have been together for about 20 years one is suffering the pitfalls of dementia and so they go on this Mm. road trip and it's a bit more of a reflection on um, mortality and it's a beautiful meditation on life on love and just the beauty of their relationship. That couple is played by Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci. And without a doubt, this film is a highlight on their already impressive resumes. I think Mm -hmm. 
It is such a beautifully acted movie. And I have to say the film itself is a masterclass in strong acting, strong directing and cinematography as well. Mm -hmm. I was gripped all the way through. I thought it was really beautiful. I was moved. I was invested and I didn't want to let them go. Yeah. Five out of five from me. Oh, yay. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for recommending an incredible film. Yeah, incredible. it's gorgeous. Oh. Yeah, it was a stunning, stunning film. They don't make movies like that too often. And right. it's nice to see a mature-aged queer couple represented on screen. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Kendall, we're still in lockdown. <laughs> still still here and plenty of movies to stream but uh, this is going to be it for us for a while at least yeah yeah <laughs> so mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining me on this last batch of lockdown specials definitely been a highlight getting to talk movies with you despite some of the movies we've had to talk about <laughs> <laughs> Wayne, Wayne, the feeling is absolutely mutual. It's been a pleasure as always. I love talking movies with you and to be able to do it still mm. while we're apart and we're locked down. It's, it's nice. It's, it's brings some joy into the lockdown life. That's for sure. So thank you so much for letting me come on the show. Anytime, Kendall. And I hope that our gorgeous listeners have also enjoyed listening to our reviews and yes. have been inspired to watch or avoid some movies. <laughs> favorite streaming services yeah (laughs) yes and thank you to each and every one of you who has taken the time to listen we do appreciate it we absolutely do but there'll be more fred watch coming up a pandemic can't keep us down no until next time i've been a wayne stellini and i've been a kendall richardson and you've just experienced fred watch cue the music And scene. What a great movie to end the lockdown season on. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, perfect. Blooper reel. Staying together while we're keeping... The civil war amongst these hybrids, Dr. Monroe's children, if you like. I agree that most of the performances are really strong. Marlon Brando just, you know, what's the phrase? Checks it in, cashes it in when you just sort of. Oh, um, oh. um, Because I've used it before and I can't even remember it. Oh, my God. Why am I going blank on the. Yeah. Oh, phones it in. Phones it in. That's it. Thank you. You're welcome. Ron Hutchinson is brought on to rewrite the script, which the oh, yeah. interviewed. That's but fine. it was weird that he wasn't acknowledged at all. And mm. really the only sort of feeling, then the, but because Brando was, I don't know how to word it, but Brando has been an absolute dick. Overall, Kendall, I want to know if it works or doesn't work for you. Final thoughts and a score out of five. Oh. Unless you want to say more. One second. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
were we just skipping? We're not going to do the. Oh shit! I totally forgot about that, didn't I? The yeah. moment line and performance. Yeah, we will do that. Sorry, totally forgot. No, no, that's okay. No. Did you totally want to say fine. anything about more about production or anything else? Um, let me just look at my notes. I mean, I did want to kind of make a point about Val Kilmer, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Easy. Um, I'll do another segue. Yeah. Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah. There was enough of a gap in in between. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's no dramas at all. Because we finished talking about that. Yep, Jigsaw, perfect. Cool. Yeah, unless did you just want to start? I mean, I whatever you think will work better for you editing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so I'd finished my point naturally. Um, True. Okay, yeah, and you yeah. would just, you just, you just did your segue, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I paused, did a segue, so perfectly fine. And that's okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. cool. Um, I would like to touch a bit of a I start this off and I can't even do it Brazil a bowl because I saw absolutely Mark yeah. Marco Hoffsch- I can't say it fast enough Hofschneider <laughs> <laughs> after the show Yay! what a great movie oh. to end the lockdown season on <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Oh, perfect. That And probably our longest episode to date too. So far, yeah. So far. Yeah, yeah of these, well, of the lockdown specials, I think, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Have any of our Feast and Fridays gone over, gone close to an hour and a half? Ooh. I don't know. I don't know. I will have to check. Hmm. Um, that was the island. Oh, that was so good, though. Yeah, it was a great discussion. Yeah, I knew it very would be such a such a good movie to discuss. Mm-hmm. And also a good vent sesh. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, I really needed to vent a lot of that like frustration because yeah. <laughs> yeah. because I loved the documentary like just yeah. as a doco. It, it is a great. It? Yeah, it's a it's a pretty well made. I mean, yeah, it's talking heads mostly, but like. It's, it's generally pretty well made and the fact that you have so many different people who are able to come in and interview for it yeah. as well from cast to crew to, you know, whoever, uh, relevant people involved, you know, I, you know, they all share some really fascinating insights. But Richard Stanley, man, he's such a character, isn't he? What a... <laughs> that's one thing I forgot to mention on the podcast. I'm like, this movie was cursed. <laughs> yeah, well, right? this is what happens when you delve into witchcraft <laughs> to begin well, with. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, yeah, I think he, in, in, in turn, trying to save, you know, the project and save him being a part of it, he ended up cursing it. <laughs> yeah, honestly, because you just can't otherwise explain yeah. how yeah. so many things went, went wrong. It was just, it's just Murphy's law on acid, you know. I reckon. Yeah, like crazy. Um, but I remember just there were parts watching watching Richard Stanley talk and he's just so kind of rigid in a way. It just doesn't move. And I'm like, is he blinking? And I would be like watching him <laughs> to see if he was bl- he was blinking. Oh, my God. And so it's, I'm not kidding, though. At some point, like, he blinks, but, like, like there's a big stretch where he's just like sometimes the camera will cut to him, you know the the the, the doco will cut to him for a comment on something, and you yeah. will get a full a full sentence or two without him not blinking. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I was like, yeah, I was like fascinated by it. <laughs> and then notice. the fact, and then the fact, that, well, it just, just his, the way he carried himself just really fascinated me. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that they found him in the fucking rainforest, like he never left the country. I oh love everything about that. I Me too. Love it. <laughs> Me too. Oh my lord! It was yeah, look, so good. He's a character, right? Mm-hmm. Such a great character. <laughs> <laughs> really, again, they should make a movie about this experience. It would be it would be amazing to see if it was done right. It would be very good. You just know that if they did it, that production would be cursed as well. <laughs> there would probably be numerous issues on that. Yeah. You're not you're not wrong. You kind of make a good point. Maybe they <laughs> should stay away then. I don't know. I just kind of want to see it dramatised. Oh, it would be so good, wouldn't it? it yeah, yeah, it would be great. <laughs> you know what? You probably, I don't know if you really could because you've got so many conflicting sides to it. Because, you know, like mm. Kilmo doesn't, say that he's done anything bad or anything like that he said oh you know it may have been you know um a bit bizarre and things like that but some of the things that he's alleged to have done yeah are quite intense and extreme um you know yeah i know the moment liable suit there (laughs) yeah yeah like the fact the the moment when they mentioned about how he burnt one of the crew members hair off yeah, just because it was that, funny, apparently. That really, that really upset me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "What? Why? What part of you thinks that's okay? Yeah, like, at all? Yeah, yeah. It was disappointing, but, but I have to yeah. say, look, as an actor, um, I adore him. <laughs> I know, me yeah. too. I mean, I need to see more of his stuff because you know I've seen Batman Forever like ten times, yeah. but um, I've, but, I've, you yeah. know, I've not, I've not seen Tombstone. I'd like to watch that. Neither, neither. I kind of want to see that um, yeah. because the, that cast is pretty amazing, and yeah. um, and I don't even like westerns, but it is based on a true story. Um, yeah. And I liked, yeah. I liked the way Val talked about Tombstone in oh. the documentary. It's on Disney Plus, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, and um, I'd like to. Oh, it's long, but that's okay. How long is it? Like three hours? Two hours? Oh, two oh hours? not that bad. Two fourteen. Okay, still kind of long for yeah. your average average movie. But um, what was I going to say? Mm. And also, like his first major film, Top Secret, I've never seen. But neither I've, have I. It had a lot of um play on TV though. I remember it was on TV a lot, but I I've never watched yeah. it. And now I kind of regret not watching it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Well, we've got it. We've got it at work. Oh, okay. I think I think it's on Blu-ray. All right. So I knew I knew about it from seeing it seeing it on the shelf at work. Yeah. But then when when he talked about it in the documentary, I was like, "Oh wow, okay." And I but I kind of felt bad for him because of the way he was like, you know, I went to Juilliard and I was a serious, <laughs> a serious dramatic actor, and then straight out of school, he's getting cast in all these silly comedy stuff. Yeah, whatever pays the bills. Him. Whatever pays the bills, and it's I also it's, it's it's Hollywood, right? It's it is. Uh, you know, this is why I think I love independent cinema more, and I love more of the older movies from Hollywood. I mean, I like yeah. movies from all eras, but I do have a soft spot for some of the older ones because I feel like that era and the independent scene 
it seems to be more about the art of filmmaking as opposed True. to the box office. I don't know. Like, that's probably cynical for me to say, but, you know, that's kind of where my mindset is. But I did like how um, Val says in his documentary, he goes, to this day, I can't tell you what the movie is about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was quite amusing. But it's Jim Abrahams and um, the Zuckers. So, yeah, it's. I yeah. think it, it would have to be fun. It would have to be good. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it would be amusing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I haven't even seen The Doors either. No, I haven't seen um, that. I, I think I need to watch that because a lot of people talk about him in that movie as well. Yeah, it was um, kind of the first real standout, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because he was already like he was becoming pretty well known by that point because you know mm. he, did, he already did Top Gun and that was a huge success and yeah. yeah. And then The Doors, I think, really kind of cemented him as Hollywood mm. kind of you know hot property, I suppose. Yeah, and um, that one's on Stan at least. Oh, cool, nice. And I've never seen I've never seen Heat either, and I need to watch Heat. No, um, well, I have seen I have seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Have you seen that? Mm, I don't know. So it's if good. I, I was gonna say if I have, it doesn't stand out. Heat's on okay. Amazon Prime, so a lot of his movies are actually available, at least. Yeah, mm. which is nice. But I re- I recommend I recommend Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He's um he's pretty entertaining in that. But it's it's Robert Downey Jr.'s movie. Oh, okay. Um, because he's Netflix. the lead in it. Yeah. yeah. I had but seen it's a, it's a good time. Yeah, I was going to say um I have seen The Saint and I remember enjoying that. Was that good? Yeah, it was a, a long time since I've seen it, but um I remember yeah. I remember liking it. Okay. I remember um Val Kilmer and Elizabeth Shue being on Oprah to promote the movie. I'm pretty sure oh, it was, yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was Oprah who asked Elizabeth about Val and saying if he was difficult to work with. And obviously Val's oh, yeah? sitting right there. So what you can do, like, yes, he was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> he's sitting right there. just going to be like, yeah, yeah. he's horrendous. Um, yeah. But no, she was like, no, you know, <laughs> no problems. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. 